Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Dunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is Abby Johnson, founder and director of And Then There Were None. Abby Johnson worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years, working her way up through the ranks to become the director of a clinic in Bryan, Texas. She walked away from her job after witnessing the abortion of a 13-week-old fetus during an ultrasound-guided abortion. She left Planned Parenthood and instantly became a national news headline for her defection, which led to a pro-life speaking career. In 2012, she founded And Then There Were None, the only ministry in the nation that helps abortion workers leave their jobs and find new ones out of the industry. To date, she has helped nearly 500 abortion workers quit. Her best-selling book, Unplanned, has been made into a feature film, which was released on March 29th. She and her husband, Doug, have seven children with their eighth due in June 2019. Congratulations, Abby, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. So you're famous for having defected from Planned Parenthood, but at the beginning of your story, you're shown as a college student who says your family's pro-life, so you guess you are too. Um, That advocate for Planned Parenthood then convinces you that they're all about helping women. Are there a large number of people who are hooked into Planned Parenthood on the premise that they're helping women? Yeah, I mean, I think the majority of people who work for Planned Parenthood who are, you know, considering working for Planned Parenthood, they're doing so because they feel like they're helping women. Nobody goes to work for Planned Parenthood saying, you know, oh, I just can't wait to start performing abortions. I can't wait to kill babies. I mean, that's not how it is. I mean, you're driven by compassion albeit misguided compassion, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's why you're there is because you really want to help these women who are coming in. Planned Parenthood says it helps women and girls, especially with low incomes or few resources, with mammograms and other wellness care. Is that part true, and what portion of its work does that encompass compared with the birth control and abortion? Yeah, so Planned Parenthood doesn't provide any mammograms. They do provide other services, the bulk of their services, though, are going to be contraception and abortion. Um, That's the primary reason that women walk into a Planned Parenthood facility is for one of those two services. So, you know, Planned Parenthood acts like they are some sort of comprehensive provider for health care, but that's definitely not true. They don't They don't provide any sort of comprehensive services for men or women. In the movie, you're shown as a counselor uh, talking with a young woman, in fact, with several young women, about getting an ultrasound before they they get tested and decide to have an abortion or not. And in that, it talks about the charge for that. Why does Planned Parenthood charge for an ultrasound when many pro-life pregnancy centers offer that same service at no charge? Planned Parenthood charges for everything. So... There's, you know, sort of a a myth going around that, you know, oh, Planned Parenthood provides all of these services for free. Um, There's, there's all, somebody's paying for every service that's performed at Planned Parenthood, whether it's the government or whether it's the patient. And for abortion services, 
they charge for ultrasounds as a way to sort of hook the patient into the procedure. So, you know, you give us $150 today for your ultrasound. If you go ahead and make your appointment, we can take that $150 off of the cost of your abortion. And so they feel like the patient feels like, oh, well, if I don't, I'm going to lose $150. So they sort of use it as a sales tactic in order to get women to commit to having the abortion or to at least scheduling the abortion that day. But yeah, there, there's no free services at Planned Parenthood. That's, that's a total myth. And do they then show the ultrasound images to the woman? No, no. Um, if they ask, we might, but you know, we didn't, it was not our policy to show the ultrasound to the woman. In the movie, you talk about your work as a Planned Parenthood clinic director as doing a job that helps women in crisis, and that's part of conversations you have with a lot of people, including your family, who was kind of against that. Did your own abortions, which you hadn't told people about, play a role in that mindset of wanting to help women in crisis? You know, I I can't say I thought too much about my own abortion when I went to work for Planned Parenthood. I just you know, I just sort of, um, I think I was really taken with the idea that we're providing all of this, you know, uh, all of this help to low-income women, all this health care to low-income women. That was really what drove me to get a job, to want to work with them in the first place. Um, it wasn't even the abortion services. I didn't, I, I can't say that. At that point in time in my life, I was a person who really thought one way or the other about abortion. Um, but it was it was really the, the other services that they kept talking about that really drew me into working there. What was your training and background before you joined Planned Parenthood? started working there. You started as a volunteer and then eventually came on as an employee. Well, I'd never worked in the medical field before at all. I was a college kid, so that had just been you know, sort of my life, my experience was just being in college. But that's who they want. I mean, they want young people in the clinics. Um, They want women to feel like it's their peers, it's people that, you know, that are their age, that are supporting them. And so college campuses are a great place to recruit staff members for, for Planned Parenthood. Um, a lot of the women that, you know, are, are college kids, they, they have had services from Planned Parenthood. So um, that's another easy way to, to convince them that working for Planned Parenthood would be a good idea since they have been customers themselves. Mm-hmm. In the first eight minutes of the film, we see the incident that convinced you to leave Planned Parenthood. The rest of the movie is, is pretty much a flashback from that. You said that you were complicit in 22,000 abortions up to that time. Other than your abortions, had you seen an abortion performed? And why did it take that one incident to change your mind, even after several other incidents that seemed to be pulling at your heart? So the typical, the standard protocol inside of Planned Parenthood is to perform an abortion without the use of ultrasound guidance. So... Mm -hmm. Um, you don't actually see what's happening in the womb during the abortion procedure. 
but we had a visiting physician in that day, and um, he, at his own private practice, only performed abortions through the use of ultrasound guidance. So uh, he wanted to show us what this looked like, and so because I was a clinic director, I was asked to to come in and assist and um, hold the ultrasound probe on the woman's abdomen during the abortion. So, and to my knowledge, that was the only time at our facility in that eight years that ultrasound guidance had been used during an abortion procedure. So, I had never seen, you know, what takes place actually inside of the womb during an abortion until that moment. It was a, a very poignant scene, and um, those people who go out and see this movie, I think, will will understand why that why that changed your mind. After the break, we're going to talk some more with Abby Johnson, author of Unplanned: The Dramatic True Story of a Former Planned Parenthood Leader's Eye-Opening Journey Across the Lifeline. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Institute of Notre Dame bid farewell to one of its most beloved staff members during a March 23rd funeral mass at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen. Sister Hilder Sutherland, who was lovingly known as Sister Hildy, died March 14th, just 10 days shy of her 87th birthday. Sister Hildy served at IND for more than six decades, ministering in a wide variety of roles, doing everything from cleaning, cooking, managing the bookstore, serving as Director of Housekeeping, Director of Hospitality, and Director of Plan Operations. Hildy's Helpers, an IND outreach during Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter that provides tons of food, clothing, and other items to those in need, was begun by Sister Hildy in 1959, the same year she professed her final vows as a school sister of Notre Dame. It had its roots in service to the poor that Sister Hildy provided in 1949 as a 17-year-old aspiring nun. Michael Reeb, an English teacher at IND, noted that the nun was beloved not only by the school community, but by many in the surrounding neighborhoods. During the Baltimore riots of 1968, following the assassination of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a neighbor put a black band around IND's front door emblazoned with Soul Sister, he said. The school was spared harm. She was their neighbor, and they treated her as such, he said. For more on the life of Sister Hildy, visit catholicreview.org. St. Maria Goretti High School President Chris Cosentino announced to the school community at a meeting March 21st that the school will move in fall 2019 to a new campus in Hagerstown due to the current academic building sitting in a floodplain. The new campus, which currently houses Purdue University Global, is 1.3 miles from the current school site in Hagerstown. The academic and administrative functions of the school will move, while athletic activities will stay at the current site. The school's gym is not affected by the floodplain. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Twenty-four young men, including three who intend to enter seminary in the fall, were among the first-ever recipients of the Monsignor Valenzano Service Award, March 24th. The award honors high schoolers who serve their parish as altar servers or sacristans. It also honors the memory of the late Monsignor Arthur Valenzano, former rector of the Baltimore Basilica. 
The recipients were acknowledged during a Mass at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland, which was celebrated by Archbishop William E. Lurie. A similar Mass will be offered for female altar servers and sacristans in the fall. In his homily, Archbishop Lurie noted the importance of vocations. Tonight might just be that moment to start thinking, how can I best bear fruit for Christ and the Church, the Archbishop said, as a husband and father, or perhaps as a priest. For more on this story, and to see a list of all the honorees, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Abby Johnson, founder and director of And Then There Were None, a group that helps abortion workers leave the industry. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Unplanned, which was released as a movie March 29th, starring Ashley Bratcher as Abby Johnson herself. Let's talk a little bit about the movie specifically. What Hollywood embellishments or creative license were taken with your story? There really weren't any embellishments made. The story is, is very, uh, I mean, it's based on my true story, so it's not just uh, inspired <laughs> by by my story, but it really is my story. Really, the only thing that was changed was uh, the timeline was set up a little bit because you have to in order to fit, you know, eight years of your life into an hour and hour and forty minute film. Right. And there were there were a lot of people who I had relationships with on the sidewalk, a lot of pro-lifers and. Um, of course, all of those relationships weren't shown. So they were sort of wrapped up into uh, two main characters. 
um, because it would be confusing to have a bunch of people <laughs> that you're having to keep track of. Um, right. So that Sean and Mary Lisa are kind of composites of people you you met on the on the fence there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What's but it? other than that, I mean, the story itself is uh, is all very true. And what's it like to see your own life, your own struggles, your own pains, your own kind of battling demons? How what's it like to see that played out on screen? You know, it feels very um, vulnerable at times. It's yeah, you know, it's one thing to to write out your story and and put it out for the public. It's very different to have that visually represented for everyone to see. So, um, it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a very vulnerable feeling. But you know, God has already used this film in a very powerful way, just in the the private screenings and. Uh, I know that that he's going to do something really remarkable in the lives and hearts of many of the people who see the film, and and really, you know, helping women and men who have experienced abortion, helping them find healing is really sort of at the heart of this, and um, I think that's what we're already starting to see. So that's that's worth all the vulnerability <laughs> that I feel just to make sure that people are, are healing and getting plugged in and, and lives are being changed and saved. You talked a little bit about that relationship with the people praying outside the clinic and early in the film, there's, there's kind of a difference between the, the ones who are combative and, and belligerent and those who are just praying and, and offering some kind of gentle counseling. Was that your experience with a, some different kinds of people on out on the on the prayer line every day or on regular occasions? Yeah, that was definitely my experience. Uh, there were definitely two different groups who were out there, especially in the beginning. In about 2004, things really changed on the sidewalk. Those people left, and it was all just very peaceful out on the sidewalk. But until then... Uh, it had been very combative. There were a lot of really aggressive people. And did your clinic actually turn on sprinklers to chase people away? Yeah, yeah, we really did. Wow. In the movie, you mentioned that when people were outside praying, that that made a difference in the number of people who showed up and followed through on their appointments. How did that actually affect it? Yeah, so Planned Parenthood Zone number states that when people are peacefully praying outside, the no-show rate, so women who have appointments but then they just don't show up, that rate goes up to as high as 75% at times. I think it's because, you know, there's nothing normal about walking into an abortion clinic. There's nothing normal about having an abortion. So when we're out there praying and giving witness to that, I think we're sort of like, the outward sign of their inward conscience. Um, I can't tell you how many times women, when I've been out praying, women have come up and said, you know, I was looking for a sign. I was praying for a sign all morning. And you guys being out here, that's my sign. And so I think people are looking for a way out. Women don't want to have abortions, um, but they feel like they have no other choice, which is, why the whole labeling of being pro-choice is such a lie 
women don't have abortions because they're just so excited to exercise their right to choose. They're having abortions because they feel like they're out of options, they're out of choices. And so by being on the sidewalk, we're able to offer them that hope when they feel like they have none left. And you even in the movie, it, it, t- it talks about, actually, Brad, who plays you, uh, says about the decision to go and work for Planned Parenthood. Never trust the decision you don't want to tell your mom about, which I thought was really yeah. interesting. The President yeah. for Students for Life for America, Kristen Hawkins, has challenged the president of Planned Parenthood, Leanna Wen, who used to be the Baltimore City Health Commissioner, to join her to see Unplanned. And Hawkins has actually offered a $5,000 contribution to Wen's alma mater, the Washington University School of Medicine, if Wen joins her at a screening. Do you think that will happen? And if not, will other Planned Parenthood employees and volunteers see the movie, do you think? Uh, No, she's not going to go see the film. She's certainly not going to allow a pro-life group to make it a media opportunity. So uh, she's not going to go see it with anybody, or (laughs) even if she did, maybe when it comes out on DVD. I do think there will be abortion clinic staff that that go and see the film um, just out of curiosity, maybe to go see it as a, you know, as a critic, which is fine. Um, we hope that they do go and, and see it. We want them to go do that. I think that if they do go, then they will find truth in the film and, You know, we're just trying to plant seeds that the Holy Spirit will be able to use and and grow in their lives. And how do you think this will affect women who've had abortions and men who have been part of that, either as the father or as the person who dropped off, you know, their girlfriend or their their spouse? How do you think it's going to affect them? Well, I hope it'll be, uh, it will provide a, a big open door for healing. Um, and I, I think it, I think it will. I know it will because we've already we've already seen uh, a lot of healing come from women and men who have who have had abortions, who have who experienced abortion. We've already seen them get connected to other healing resources. So yeah, I mean that's that's really at the heart of this is making sure that people receive the the healing resources that they need. And I understand that's going to be at the end of the film, before the credits roll, there's going to be a number for people to contact if they are looking for healings? Yes, that's correct. Great. You know, this is not an easy movie to watch. It's, it certainly isn't. It's, it's kind of gut-wrenching in that. It's got an R rating, which is unusual for a faith-based film. Why should people see this? Well, it's really a movie for everybody. I mean, it, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, People need to go see this film. This film allows the opportunity to, for conversion to take place in everyone who sees this film. There's a lot of people who say they're pro-life, but they're not actually active in the pro-life movement. And I believe after seeing this film, people have a better understanding of why our activism is so important. And, and why we must be doing something to help end abortion and make abortion unthinkable in our society. And so, I, you know, it's not, it's not just for those who are pro-choice, but it's definitely for those who are pro-life. 
it's for the people who are in church every Sunday. You know, everybody who I've talked to that's left the film has said, you know, I learned something that I didn't know. I'm I'm walking away changed, and I I do believe that. I don't believe that you can go watch this movie and leave unchanged. I would agree with you. We've been talking today with Abby Johnson, author of Unplanned, about her journey out of the world of Planned Parenthood and into pro-life advocacy. You can get Abby's book on Amazon or at other booksellers, and the movie is in wide release right now, showing in at least a half a dozen theaters within the Archdiocese of Baltimore. You can get more details about that at unplanned.com. Thanks for being with us today, Abby. Thank you so much. This is Christopher Gundy of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. The Santo Mare Wind Orchestra brings the stirring sounds of France to the Baltimore Basilica, Friday, April 12th at 7 p.m. The concert celebrates 300 years of French and American cooperation and features an award-winning 70-piece orchestra from a town in northern France where historic Marylanders, including Archbishop John Carroll, attended the school. Sponsored in part by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the Santo Mare Foundation for Transatlantic Values. Free admission. For more info, visit archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.